This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue our, our Christmas sermon series. It says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to a firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room at the inn. There's no room at the inn. I've uh, shared a similar sermon uh, a couple years ago about uh, people that have missed Christmas. And uh, I want to maybe just build on that. Last week, we talked uh, real quickly about uh, the Grinch. Now, someone shared with me last night that they were showing the Grinch last night. Anybody watch it last night? Just a few, yes. It's a, it's a great show, but the Grinch doesn't really tell us about Christmas, and that's why it's important for you as parents. It's fun to watch that cartoon. It's fun to watch that cartoon, but uh, you're going to have to tell them what Christmas is really all about, because the cartoon of Grinch doesn't tell you what Christmas is, it just tells you what Christmas isn't. It told us in the cartoon that Christmas isn't ribbons, it's not boxes, it's not bags, because remember, Grinch stole that and was surprised that these little people would begin to celebrate Christmas. When he took away those things, they still celebrate Christmas. But it didn't tell us what it is. And we found that the angels that we read in Luke uh, chapter 2 earlier is that we see that the angels tell us who Jesus is, the baby. It tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. One of the angels said, Gabriel, that Jesus is the Son of God. And, And the other angel tells us that God is with us, Emmanuel. Another angel tells us in this story that God, Christ, is the Lord. And then later on in the story of Jesus' life, we see that he was baptized in water, and a voice comes down from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. And so when we watch these cute Christmas shows, these TV shows, they don't really tell us the full picture. But if we go to scriptures, it begins to tell us who exactly Jesus is. Now, one of my favorite cartoons is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. My wife has it on uh, DVD. Um, I was at a show in Springfield, Missouri. I got to see Yakov Smirnoff. Anybody who's Yakov Smirnoff? I, I was the youngest person in this show. There was a thousand people there. And, um, and it was kind of funny, and I don't mean to make fun of anybody in the room, okay? But I was surprised that... Uh, part of his giveaway gifts and selling his package to make money was he was selling calendars, paper calendars, which, um, and people were just gobbling up these, I don't use a paper calendar, I use my computer, but it was like, wow, people still use calendars. 
And then he was giving away DVDs. Uh, and I guess people still use DVDs. And so um, anyway, so we have the DVD of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We, we don't ever watch it on, on the DVD, but we have it. And um, our kids were raised up on that. But you know what? One thing that I do like about this story of Rudolph is that the central, one of the central themes is about misfits. You have Rudolph, who's a misfit. And uh, one of the things that is interesting about this story, I think the church could learn from a little bit, and we're going to get to the, the, the message here, the sermon, is that uh, Rudolph is a strange character in the sense that he, he has a, a deformity. And because of that, he's shunned, he's mocked, and he's excluded, as the song says from Reindeer Games. You know, I remember back when I was in grade school, early grade school, um, one of the things, one of the reasons I wore long hair was to cover my right ear. My, I, had a, I was born with a deformed right ear, and, and I covered it. And it's funny, why did I cover it? Because, especially in those days, any deformities, you know, you stood out, you stuck out. And you didn't want to be uh, ridiculed. You didn't want to be ostracized. You didn't want to be laughed at. But it is funny why they would do that. As, as we think about our society, why would we make fun of someone who might be different? You know, my father wears a hearing aid, and he struggles wearing his hearing aid. And I remember, uh, I remember, uh, I remember this kid in grade school who had hearing aids, and uh, I was guilty of making fun of this kid with hearing aids. But if you think of it, why are we making fun of someone who needs a device to help them hear? Why are we making, I, I remember making fun of people who wore glasses. You know, we used to call them four eyes. Anybody remember four eyes? Yes, a few of you. Uh, we used to, uh, if someone had a leg brace, oh my goodness, you know, that poor kid would, uh, would have been ridiculed most of his life. And if you peel back the reasons, I believe, is that in some ways it's almost like being cursed. Like God's not with you. Like somehow God was, has blessed some families with health and no deformities, no weirdness. And then those who have deformities or have leg braces or hearing aids or glasses, uh, somehow God has shunned that family. And so... And, and we perpetuated that as, as kids. But Rudolph is, is very interesting. I, I love the story, is that um, these are kids with, these are toys that are misfit, and they have a place in Santa Claus's world. And I thought maybe that was a great message for the church, is that um, I think the church should be filled with people who uh, are different. We should accept people who are different. One thing I absolutely love about our church at Mosaic Church, it's something that we've really prayed about, is not just uh, racially uh, diverse, uh, not just culturally diverse, but also financially diverse, socially diverse. Um, I think it's, it's maybe human nature, the flesh, that would want to congregate with just like-mindedness. But at the, I think we lose out as a church when we do that that we need to make room for people who are different. We need to uh, make room for people who maybe uh, aren't just the, the perfect uh, example of humanity. And I know I'm grateful for 
a church that embraces people of all different backgrounds, all different situations, uh, whether you're poor or rich, uh, tall or short. You guys didn't see me, but yes. But one of the things I, I see that is that is there, it says in one of the songs or in the story, uh, is there a place for a spotted elephant? Is there a place for a water pistol that shoots jelly? How about a cowboy who rides an ostrich, a boat that can't stay afloat? And it says in the, in the, in the story, if we're on the island of unwanted toys, we'll miss all the fun with the girls and the boys when Christmas Day is here. And one of the things you can extrapolate from the story is that Christmas means that misfits have a place in the church, in the community. In the story, they were, they were isolated. And I think the Christmas story is that there's no, no place, there's always room for those who are different. Which leads me to a bigger story, is that the people who miss Christmas, the whole concept of what is Christmas all about? We just told you that the angels told us that he's Christ the Lord. We, we just told you that he is Emmanuel, God with us. But if you look at the story again, you see that the, at the time of Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken and all returned to their own ancestral towns. And I want you to look at this story, if you have it on your phone or in your Bible, look at it carefully. And I want to maybe illustrate to us and to you and to me how easy it is to miss the true meaning of Christmas. As I evaluate my own life, I recognize there are times where I, I failed in understanding the true meaning of Christmas. Somebody's having fun downstairs. Lots of fun. If we look at the very last verse in verse 7, we see here that it says this, that she wrapped him in... I have the, uh, let me see what version this is. I believe it's the NIV. They wrapped him in snugly uh, in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. It's interesting that we don't really focus too much about the innkeeper because it just says that there was no room for him, them at the, at the inn. And so here, one of the things that I want us to be very careful is that we don't fall prey to the exact same thing, the innkeeper, the people who miss Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas time. I think it's wonderful. Actually, and I love Thanksgiving, how it all blends together. But we cannot fail, we must not fail in recognizing why we are celebrating Christmas. It's not so that we can put wreaths up and trees up and, and decorate a church. It's not so that we can put up a beautiful tree in our living room and, and, and put boxes under the tree. That's not what Christmas is about. But if we're not careful, that's what it becomes, isn't it? We, we become so, uh, so consumed with the, what I would call the extremities of Christmas the excesses of Christmas, that we could really lose the focus of what Christmas is all about. 
One of the things I recognize, if I'm looking at the, the innkeeper, how easy it is to be indifferent. Indifferent. If I look at the situation, we know that people were coming into town uh, because of the census. And I imagine if you owned an Airbnb, if you owned a hotel or motel in that time, that this was a great opportunity to make money. It's kind of like football weekend here in Tallahassee. I remember one year when we had the, in year 2000, the big uh, debacle with the votes and the, the dimple chads. And uh, all, of the, all of America's news people came to Tallahassee because they were waiting to count the dimple chads. And uh, it happened here over, um, especially the Supreme Court thing during the game against University of Florida. So all the hotels were already filled because of people coming for the UF game. But all these news people were coming, people from all over the world were coming to, to understand what was going on. So there was no rooms in Tallahassee for reporters to get. So fraternities and, and smart people, smart kids were renting out their rooms for like $500 a night because it was an opportunity for them to make money. And so I can imagine that the innkeeper saw the opportunity to make money. Uh, he was uh, maybe indifferent to the situation in front of him. I do find it, as I read this story, that it seemed like Mary was by herself. There's no really mention of Joseph being with her at the time of the birth. And I recognize that Jewish people are very hospitable. They're, it's not like they're callous to strangers. They want to help strangers. They're civilized and intelligent people at the time, and, and it was something they were very uh, generous to people. But at this moment, it was an opportunity to make money. And he didn't recognize that Jesus was right in front of him. Mary was about to give birth to Jesus. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus talks about, I was, uh, I was hungry, but you didn't feed me. I was I was uh, alone and you weren't with me. And, and it goes on and basically saying that there was, we missed opportunities. When Jesus was right in front of us, we missed it. That's so easy to point to the finger at people and say, yeah, I can see how they missed it. But the challenge for us this morning here at church is how have we missed it? How have we missed it? How is it that the innkeeper missed it? I believe part of it was he was indifferent. He, his mind was something out, somewhere else. He didn't recognize it. We know that this was a lonely birth, that Mary was by herself. Where were the other people? Where, were the, where was the midwife? Where were the, all these people? And probably because they were all busy. We're all busy. One of the challenges I imagine in, our, in your life, and, and I know it is in my life, is how busy we can be. How busy we can be that we miss Christmas. We are busy because we've got to go do that. We've got to go do this. We've got to do this. And we've got to do that. And we're so preoccupied that we failed to see Jesus during this time. Some people struggle with the whole concept of stable. I know that we, uh, we have our own visions of where Jesus was born. I shared with us. Uh, a few years ago, this picture, 
And as I studied over and over again, I really feel like this is probably where Jesus, a type of building where Jesus was born. The word in is another word for, uh, it's, a, it's a, a Greek word, kataluma, that's translated to kataluma. It really means, and think of it, is you have this, this house that's basically two stories, and the people that owned the house lived upstairs, and underneath was where they keep their, their sheep or their cattle or their, their livestock. And as you can see in the picture, there's this stairwell that goes up, and there's this little nook under the stairwell. And that really was for guests who had animals or, or someone who was just passing through, and they would just let you slide in under the steps and have a covering. And so when Jesus is about to be born, it says there was no room for him at the end, the Cataluma in Luke chapter 22, uh, in verse 11, it talks about this guest house. And we believe that's what this is, is it's a guest house. But what really happened? What happened? With, that there was no room. I can imagine that the owner maybe had company or had family or people that came in and, and his residence was filled. And the only thing he could offer is this little place where Jesus was born. Indifferent or pre, preoccupied. Here's a picture of Grand Central Station of very busy people. Christmas happened on his own property on the innkeeper. But he missed Christmas. Preoccupied. Busy making money. Busy to host Jesus. Busy to recognize that Jesus was in front of him. He was just busy. And busy. And I can imagine all of us struggle with that. And, and I pray, and I don't, you know, I don't know if, if this really means all of us. Some of us are probably trapped into figuring out how we're going to, to do Christmas with all the gifts and all the presents and families and Christmas cards and Christmas photos. And you can just get preoccupied, just preoccupied of, of doing the, the busyness of Christmas and I'm afraid that if we're not aware, if we're not careful, we'll fall prey to the same thing that the innkeeper. We're just so preoccupied with the peripheral of Christmas that we miss Jesus. There might be opportunities where someone is right in front of you that needs a touch from God. And this person represents Jesus, and we missed it because we're just preoccupied in our culture, we're all preoccupied in making money, aren't we? Well, we have to pay the bills. We have to pay for our electric bill and mortgage and gas and insurance. And, we, and we're just preoccupied in working. And sometimes I know that I might step on some toes here this morning. Sometimes it, we're so preoccupied with work that we don't really have time to lift up Jesus, to celebrate Jesus. And so just like the innkeeper, maybe we're just too preoccupied to really understand that Jesus is with us, God with us, and we don't recognize it. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to people watch. One of my favorite places to go, well, it used to be the mall. Now it's the airport. To watch people. Have you ever watched them? Just, 
just going around, it seems like trying to squeeze out any ounce of free time to get all the things we need for Christmas. And our time is demanded by thousands of other things. We got to figure out how we get the, the best gift at the cheapest price at the right time. Decorating, taking care of things, polishing things, all so that we can be ready for this big event. And I don't think any of those things are wrong in themselves, but if we're not careful, we'll miss it. We'll miss Jesus and we'll crowd him out by the tyrant of busyness that so easily dictates us. I found that busyness can control us. Busyness can control us like a, a, a nose ring on a bull. So easily just pulling us away from really focusing on Jesus. The innkeeper, maybe he didn't know. Maybe it was an ignorant preoccupation. He didn't know that Jesus was in front of him. Isn't it sad that we can live a whole life and go through life without ever recognizing that Jesus was right here with us, in front of us? We've been crowded out, preoccupied, controlled by meaningless activity. Mundane, meaningless activity. Sometimes I found myself guilty of the same thing. I remember one time I had gotten really sick a couple years ago. I was just sitting on the couch. Everybody was out of the house. And uh, I, I binged on um, Downton Abbey. I know you want to take my, my man card from me. but And I used to make fun of Bill Madden and uh, Fred Joyner for leaving the Super Bowl to watch Downton Abbey. And here I, I found myself getting sucked in and I couldn't stop watching. And again, there, there's nothing wrong with watching Downton Abbey, but I found myself later on thinking, I just, I just crowded my life with busyness and mundaneness and uh, preoccupied with uh, meaningless activity. As I look back, I probably could have spent more time praying and asking God to direct my life to be more in tune with Jesus. So the question I have for you this morning, and I'm not going to go long, and is how do we spend our time, especially this time of year? Are we spending more time trying to make the, that extra buck? For what reasons, right? Do we spend more time shopping than we did adoring Christ? Like today, we're going to end early, but if we normal, a normal service, we go around 1230. If we go to 1235, do we, you know, begin to get anxious? But we spend more time shopping, looking for deals online, searching for the latest, greatest. Do we spend more time uh, and money on stuff that, that invest in the kingdom or just invest in accumulating more things? It's the same trap the innkeeper was in. Making bank, preoccupied, and busy. And we miss Jesus. One of the things that I know that would um, 
Can you imagine if all the Christian churches got together and said, you know what, we're not going to spend any money on merchandise. People would freak out. Businesses would freak out. Our economy, a lot of it is based on consumption. And if we were to put a cog in that wheel of consumption, what would happen? I think the, I think the powers that be would be putting pressures on us to, to buy more things and do more things. But what would happen if we decide one year, collectively, all the churches together, say, you know what, let's invest in the kingdom, not on more merchandise. Let's invest in praying more instead of perusing the internet more for the latest deal, the pressures. And I know that some of us, uh, I remember one time a pastor preaching something similar to what I'm sharing, and my kids were young, and I'm like, yes, I am not going to get my kids anything this year. And my kids were hating the pastor. But we also felt the pressure, didn't we? Robin was here, she would say yes. We joke about it now, I never got them the actual, the, the name brand stuff, it was always the knockoffs. And so... Um, we never got the iPad or iPod. It was the, um, the uh, what was it called? <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, well, the Creative Zen, which was the Microsoft version, but uh, all sorts of off knockoffs. But I understand the challenge of it. We've got, you've got little kids, there's a challenge. You've got lots of family, there's a challenge. And I recognize that, and I'm not trying to belittle that. There's this pressure. But I'm just saying you don't have to, you don't have to buy into that. But whatever you do, don't miss Christmas. And I'm speaking to myself. Whatever we do, don't miss Christmas. There are people in front of us that desperately need a touch of Jesus. And Jesus comes disguised in, in a, a person who's homeless, a person who's lonely, a person who's far from their homeland, far from family. There are people around us that struggle, that need a touch from Jesus. And, and if we're not careful, we'll be so preoccupied in decorating the tree, finding the right wrapping paper, getting the perfect gift, and missing the opportunity to bless Jesus like the innkeeper. And I pray this morning that where none of us are controlled by the mundane, by the, the, the obscure, the things that don't really mean anything in light of eternity, that we would truly focus on the real reason for Christmas is Jesus. Let's pray and let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we could read scriptures, and find out who the real Jesus is. Lord, we know that you came. You came down, Father, in, in human form, fully human. Born 
Not just so we can go get Christmas decorations. Not just so we can celebrate your birthday. But Lord, you were born to set your people free from the bondage of sin. And Lord, for that, we're eternally grateful. And that's why we celebrate your birth. Because we, we, we know that you came with a purpose to reunite your creation to the creator. It only happens through Jesus Christ. We say thank you for the opportunity, Lord. Help us to not get sucked in, controlled by this, this flow of busyness, mundane, the economy of buying. Lord, I pray, God, that we would not get sucked into that as a church, as believers but that we would always focus on the real reason to celebrate your birth because you came to seek and save us who are lost. We say thank you this Christmas season. Lord, we celebrate. And Lord, we ask for opportunities to see you in people around us. Help us not to fall prey to that, that when you were hungry, we didn't feed you. When you were naked, we didn't clothe you. Or when you were in, pr- in prison, we didn't visit you. Lord, people are in prison in all different types. It's not just metal bars and walls. Imprisoned by fear and anxiety, sadness. And Lord, help us to be that agent of grace. People are in prison with the, the whole concept of, of financial debt. Lord, help us to be an agent of grace. Help us to visit those and minister to those who have clothed themselves with things that are perishable. The Lord, help us to introduce people in our workplace and at home and to Jesus. Or there are people who are just trying to consume their lives with, with things and things that are of carnal nature, things that they think will satisfy their lives. But Lord, we know that you truly are the bread of life. Lord, help us to be that this Christmas, that agent of grace. We love you, Father, and we thank you. And Lord, I pray for everybody in our church that's here this morning, Lord, that you would bless them and encourage them and use them mightily, empower them to live the life that you've called them to live. And Lord, help us. Again, not to miss Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas. We say thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.